Uh, please turn in your Bibles to uh, James chapter 3. You can also turn in your bulletins. But in the Pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1012. We are continuing our series called Spiritual Living. And this letter from James, at first it can seem sort of disjointed. But he actually keeps returning to themes that he's established earlier on in his writing. Trials, wisdom, temptation, true religion that shows itself through mercy. He keeps hitting these themes over and over. Three weeks ago, we saw that if we have living faith in Christ, it will be accompanied by good works. And two weeks ago, we saw that our words show the true condition of our hearts and that Christ can transform our hearts into springs that produce fresh words instead of bitter ones. And in this morning's passage, James is once again writing about how the condition of our hearts relates to our conduct. So let's read together James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's ask God to help us understand his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that you've revealed yourself to us. Right now we ask for your help, that your spirit would allow us to understand it. Please be with me as I preach, that you would impress your truth upon us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you know me, I, uh, I like superhero movies. And there's one coming out next week, uh, not next week, next, next month, Infinity War. And prior to that, there was a movie called Civil War, and I'm not even going to talk about plots this morning, so uh, I don't know if Brian Sorrell is here, but I'm not, I'm not going to talk about plots. Hey, I'm not talking about movie plots this morning, all right? Um, but I, I, I make reference to that just to make a remark that Civil War, Infinity War, could easily be the title of a textbook on world history, couldn't it? For almost as long as human history, there has been bickering and conflict and war. Peace is fleeting and elusive, even in our homes, and even among the children of God. This is because our hearts If you're honest, if we're honest with ourselves, our hearts are chaotic factories of conflict. We invent things 
to fight about with one another. What we're going to learn from this passage is that the wisdom that comes from God above leads to peace. We're going to follow James through three dimensions in this passage, three directions, if you will, inside, below, and above. Inside, below, and above. First, James draws our attention inside to the condition of our hearts. Our good works, our demeanor, and our hearts, they all have to synchronize together. They must be in harmony. Verses 13 and 14. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. According to James, being wise and understanding is not a matter of knowledge. It's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of gentle obedience. Good works done in the meekness of wisdom. We know from earlier in the letter that faith without works is dead. Those who love Jesus obey his commandments. But as we're obeying, there's a certain manner that we should have. The meekness of wisdom. What is that? Well, what comes to mind when you think of wisdom? Imagine a kind of wise man, a sage. We don't picture the wise as frenetic, disruptive people. No, they listen. They take things in and work them through. And then they dispense their words intentionally and maybe a little reservedly. In the Bible, wisdom always relates to having a proper view of God. There's a proverb on the front of the bulletin. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom comes from according God his proper place as creator, master, ruler, judge, lover of the downtrodden and the outcast, and living in view of him. That's true wisdom. Some have defined wisdom this way. Wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. But what about meekness? Well, this word meekness is translated in another version as gentleness. So meekness and gentleness are related closely to one another. It involves deference, giving preference to others, not retaliating when we're mistreated. The meek are not harsh to others. I recently heard someone describe the meek as those who have swords and know how to use them, but keep them sheathed. Interesting interpretation. Just so we don't get an idea that meekness equals weakness. Meekness is strength under control. So what makes a wise and understanding Christian? Well, according to James, those who consistently obey Jesus' commands. The wise and understanding are those who are obedient through enduring trials and growing, caring for orphans and widows and keeping themselves unstained by the world. And during all this, they have meekness, which is a key component of wisdom. And that does sound like a wise and understanding person. Maybe you know someone like that. But that sure isn't me a lot of the time. I don't have good conduct a lot of the time. I frequently don't care to know 
or to obey God's commands, and I'm not sure if my family or friends would regard me as meek. And if you're honest, verse 13 probably doesn't describe you a lot of the time either. And it's because of what we find in our hearts. And what we often have in our hearts is envy and strife. Verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. See, when human beings interact with one another, it's only a matter of time until the tension builds up. We want different things. Or maybe we want the same thing, but only one person can have it. We splinter into factions. We assert ourselves without regard for others. We scorch the earth. This is the condition inside our hearts. Even if we're followers of Jesus, we still find that within us. And James says that if this contentiousness is in our hearts, do not boast. If this contentiousness is in our hearts, we have no right to consider ourselves wise or understanding. So James has had us consider what's inside. Now he's going to contrast two types of wisdom, which have different sources, one from below and one from above. First, that which comes from below. The natural selfish wisdom of our hearts is not from God. It's not even spiritual. In fact, it's evil. Verses 15 and 16. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Selfishly ambitious wisdom doesn't come from God. The cleverness and the manipulation that's born of bitter jealousy doesn't come from God. Only good and wholesome, complete things come from God. See, James is using the same phrase that he used earlier in chapter 1, verse 17, where he told us, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In Scripture, God reveals Himself, and what we find is we find Him to be a perfect, unified being. He's not subject to being disjointed, pulled one way than another as we are. He's one. He doesn't waver. Divisiveness does not come from Him. Divisive wisdom is from here below. James says it's earthly as opposed to heavenly. It's unspiritual as opposed to divine. And it's also demonic. That is, it's in opposition to God. This material wisdom, the bad type of wisdom, it shows itself by its fruit, according to verse 16. And its fruit is disorder in every vile practice. Backstabbing, infighting, gossip, church splits. Now, I've been at Grace Church regularly since 2009, and I'm happy to say I'm unaware of any feuding factions in the church. But churches can fight about anything from trivial things to more substantial things. And just for an example, I'll tell you a story that's not related to any church, but it is from an organization that's supposed to function together in pursuit of a common love, so kind of like a church. Uh, Hannah Faye and I sing with the Choral Society of the Hamptons. And I won't use any names, but usually during rehearsal, 
someone provides cookies or brownies or something, and it's like a mini bake sale. And if you want, you can buy them, and it um, contributes to uh, the funds of the Coral Society. But there was a bit of confusion one week as to who the cookie monster was, and that's what we call the person who brings the snacks. So a man and woman both show up with snacks, and they handled it just like children, really. I brought cookies. No, it was supposed to be me. And instead of just having more choices for everyone, one of the cookie monsters just packed up altogether. And some churches can be just as petty, fighting over building decorations or something similar. James says that where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. There's everything from trivial fights to vile practices when we're relying on our own wisdom. When vindictiveness takes over, the things that happen even among those who claim to love God can be horrible. And I thought about sharing some of the things I've seen in the church over my lifetime, but I'm not going to do that. I'll suffice to say that selfish ambition, self-importance, being wise in your own eyes, can lead to abuses and tangled webs that are more suited to a primetime soap opera than a church family. People's very lives get ruined. Ministries are torn down. Families become estranged. May God keep us from disorder and vile practices here in this body of believers. But how? Well, we've looked inside, and we've seen the wisdom that originates here below. Now let's look at the wisdom from above. If you haven't noticed yet in this series, James has this amazing way of questioning and exhorting us while he's indicting our behavior. He calls us to very high things while bringing us low. I used to work at a camp in the summertime, and it was an island. And to get your boat pass for your day off on the mainland, you would memorize and recite a passage of scripture every week. And one summer, we were focusing on the book of James. And I'm not sure if this was one of the passages or not, but ever since I've read this, James' description here of true wisdom has hounded me whenever I've encountered it. His list of the characteristics of true wisdom has struck me because it seems alien to me as a man who often is not meek or gentle or very peaceful. Let's see how it, see how it sounds to you, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Is that not a beautiful picture? Doesn't that sound like it coincides with the steadfast character of God? Everything in those two verses is desirable. It's attractive but it's also contrary to my typical state, maybe to yours as well. We're going to quickly look at this list of characteristics, but before we do that, I want to remind you that James is the half-brother of Jesus, 
And like other New Testament writers, he often seems to have Jesus' specific words in mind as he's writing. So I'd like to read some of Jesus' words, which are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, a group of sayings called the Beatitudes, in which Jesus pronounces blessings on people who possess certain traits, traits that signify repentance and godly living. So this is Matthew 5, 3 through 10. And you're going to notice how many of these traits match the description of divine wisdom here in James. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So now back to our passage, let's look at these characteristics of heavenly wisdom. James says the wisdom from above is pure. Jesus spoke of the pure in heart. James has spoken earlier in this letter of pure religion, that which is unstained from the world. Wisdom from above has purity of heart. It's not mixed with sinful, selfish desires. James says the wisdom from above is peaceable. This is in contrast to the disorder mentioned in verse 16. Wisdom from above is a friend of peace. It loves peace. It promotes and preserves peace. The wisdom from above is gentle. And as we said, this is closely related to meekness. Strength under control that prefers others above oneself. Wisdom from above is open to reason. It has firm principles, but it isn't stubborn. It hears both sides. It values peace and godly change. Wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. It doesn't dish out whatever people deserve. It pardons. It loves. It acts in obedience to God for the good of brothers and sisters in the family of God. Wisdom from above is impartial and sincere. Another translation says unwavering without hypocrisy. True wisdom reflects God's character. We read earlier that God has no variation or shadow due to change. God doesn't have mixed motives. Wisdom from above causes our hearts and our good conduct to be aligned with what pleases God. Now, just as verse 16 explains the fruit of earthly wisdom, verse 18 explains the fruit of divine wisdom. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peacemakers. The end result of wisdom is righteousness. That is to say, we become more conformed to God's perfect character and we live in a way that pleases Him. There's a harvest of obedience to God, good works that glorify Him and serve others. And all along, the manner in which that righteousness is sown is peaceful. This picture of wisdom is as beautiful as it is unattainable in our own power. 
don't you find yourself envying others, making little comments to insult or sabotage them, maybe behind their back, bickering. We, we have a problem inside us. We look at this picture and we're like, that, that's not me. We're, we're sinful. We're naturally bent on evil rebellion against God and we cannot approach him in all his perfection from here below. We need a good and perfect gift from above. And that gift is Christ Jesus. Jesus, the merciful Savior, accomplished the ultimate good work, making the most important peace, peace between God and man through his obedient life and his sacrificial death. His life was marked by all these desirable traits that James has described. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that Christ is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God decreed that a perfect man would be a substitute to die for the sins of his people. Just days after they welcomed him into their city, crying Hosanna, they yelled crucify him. They said his blood be on our heads and on our children's. And his blood is on our heads. Our sin sent Christ to the cross. And after making peace through his blood, the power of God raised Jesus from the dead. And we believe this good news. And by God's grace, when we believe, we're transformed from those who love contention to those who love peace. So what does all of this mean to our lives? Well, we've seen a lot. We've looked inside at our hearts We've considered wisdom from below, and we've pondered the wisdom from above. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've never experienced peace with God, but it's something that you want. If that's true of you, admit before God that you need His mercy, His pardon for your sin through Jesus. Believe in Him and turn away from relying on your own wisdom. If you're a Christian here, in need of wisdom from above. Remember what James said in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God's a generous giver of wisdom. Maybe you hear all this and you recognize, hey, I employ both of these types of wisdom in the same day or in the same hour. Actually, you probably, if you're like me, you shift between these two kinds of wisdom in the course of one conversation. We want to be right for the sake of being right. It boils up inside us. Well, one aspect of making peace is to repent and confess to those with whom we fight. Show mercy, accept mercy, and learn to be gentle with others. Does this mean we never take a stand? No, there are times in life when we must contend. We must fight. There are times for direct and incisive words. James himself, in this letter, back in chapter 2, uses the phrase, you foolish person. And some of Paul's words are downright insulting in some of his letters. They don't seem 
gentle to us. But those times are reserved for when truth itself is under attack. It's never for personal gain, never out of envy or a need to boost our ego. Those times to contend are out of love for Christ and his truth. This is not in the next steps on the connection card, but if you want to ponder wisdom more deeply, I would encourage you to read chapters 8 and 9 of the book of Proverbs. And there you'll see wisdom personified as a gracious woman who beckons you to learn from her. Who is wise and understanding among you? By your good conduct, show your good works in the meekness of wisdom. Sow seeds that will result in righteousness, all the while making peace. And in all this, follow Jesus, the ultimate maker of peace and wisdom that came down from above. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to root out the seeds of discord in our hearts, that we'd be transformed by your grace, that we would defer to one another, that we would be meek, that we would show our good works and obedience out of gratefulness for the pardon we've received from you through the peace we have because of Jesus. We ask as we come to this table that this truth would be impressed on us, that we would be ever more dependent on Christ. In Jesus' name.